Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of the Information Security Media Group, and welcome to the second part of my interview with retired Air Force CIO John Gilligan. Though retired from government service nearly four years ago, Gilgan remains a force in how government IT security will evolve. Gilgan led a consortium of public and private sector IT security experts who wrote the well-received consensus audit guidelines that were released earlier this year. I asked him why they are important and whether he feels they'll be widely adopted by government agencies. That's certainly our objective is that federal agencies would adopt the guidelines then the implementation of FISMA often tended to focus on paperwork uh, artifacts for evaluating the adequacy of security. A lot of government managers became very frustrated that they were, in many cases, not really improving the security of their environments in trying to comply with the expectations set by OMB and how to reflect their compliance with FISMA. So there was that frustration. In addition, I think there's a really strong and growing recognition that the security challenges that we have require us to prioritize and to focus. There are a lot of fundamental challenges to trying to achieve significant improvements in our security, and you can't do everything at once. What we did in the development of the, we're now calling it the 20 Critical Controls for Effective Cyber Defense, and then kind of as a subtitle, the Consensus Audit Guidelines, but the 20 Critical Controls were intended to be just that. We assembled individuals who were knowledgeable in attack patterns and defending against those attacks. Then we developed what would be identified the controls that would be effective against those attacks. It just turned out the list expanded to 20. Uh, 20 wasn't the number we were necessarily seeking. The point was our very strong advice is focus on these control areas first. Not to say that there aren't need for other control areas or we would expect that the critical controls would continue to evolve. As you get these 20 in place and have a proven record of not only being able to have the controls but having the automated implementation and enforcement, then you can move on to other things. Since these controls are linked to and effective against the attacks we're seeing, it just makes common sense to focus the, your energy on mitigating the attacks that we're seeing today. I think that's why they have been well received. State Department has done a wonderful job in taking the 20 critical controls, mapping them against their historical logs of attacks to see how well they align, kind of as an independent check, and it turns out they align very nicely with their attack patterns. That is, the controls are effective against the attacks that they've actually seen over the last couple of years. And they have then extended this to say, well, all right, let's focus on developing measures and a dashboard that would allow us to get visibility of how effective are we in implementing these controls. They've gotten very enthusiastic about it because, again, it gives them a focus rather than trying to cover everything. They said, well, let's focus on these areas and uh, see then what the benefits are over time in terms of reduced success of attacks. The biggest inhibitor to the consensus audit guidelines is the fact that the FISMA legislation, the guidance that has been issued by the National Institute of Standards and Technology, NIST, and then reinforced by the Office of Management and Budget to make a guidance actually mandatory. And the guidance is very comprehensive. Federal agencies are now in a bit of a quandary saying, well, all right, we've got the FISMA, the NIST guidance that was produced to help us deal with FISMA. OMB in the past has said now it's all mandatory. 
mandatory and it's very, very comprehensive. What should I do? I, I think this consensus audit guidelines, 20 critical controls, is really makes more sense for me, but am I going to find myself crosswise with those who are assigning grades to federal agencies? And what we're doing now is working with the leadership in OMB, federal CIO, council community to have them exposed to this, get their comments, and then through the State Department, and we're looking for other pilot uh, implementations, fairly quickly get a level of confidence that would, we hope, and we would encourage that OMB would say, all right, take the 20 critical controls and let's focus our attention on those, sort of like the State Department has done. Move on to a different area. What has been your experience with red teams and how can they be efficiently implemented throughout government to assure IT security? The red teams that are actually out there testing the effectiveness of the security implementations are enormously valuable. I generally put far greater emphasis on their reports than I would reports that would be done, for example, based on analytical basis of analysis of looking at the security based on certification, accreditation documents, etc. And the point being is that the systems and networks that we have are so complex that it's almost impossible on an analytical basis to be able to assess the security. You really need to do hands-on. As you do hands-on, and sort of, as I mentioned earlier, and you follow the attack patterns that we're seeing from the outside or from the, even in the inside, and your red team members are kind of mimicking those attack patterns, then you get a pretty good sense of how good are you in being able to defend against those types of attacks. So I think that gives us today the highest correlation to, to how good your security is. The downside with the red teams is you're somewhat dependent on the skill of the individuals. In the Department of Defense, we relied very heavily on the National Security Agency because they were so darn good. We had the, the Air Force Information Warfare Organization, and they were quite good as well. But not all organizations in the federal government really have that skill level. That'll be one of the challenges as we move forward because the trend will be in the near term to kind of move in this direction across the government and, and maybe even in industry. We're going to have to find ways to leverage the skill base, expand the skill base that we have to be able to deal with this. Longer term, the hope is, and partially what we're seeing uh, and advocating in the 20 critical controls is you want to automate a lot of things. And there are um, automated capabilities that are now being available. There is a project that was kind of co-developed by the National Security Agency, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, and the MITRE Corporation that goes by the title SCAP security content automation protocol, but it's really a fairly complex set of protocols and databases and configuration interfaces that allow you to implement in a compatible way in automated tools the types of checks that you would want to implement to be able to test for lockdown configurations, do asset tracking and management, download patches, etc. Pull together scans, vulnerability scans from perhaps across multiple tools that would be used in different parts of your enterprise. As those capabilities are more routinely integrated into automated tools, then I think the red team, the penetration type analysis can be more focused because there are a lot of things that you'll be able to validate in through automated tools that are actually hands-on and uh, testing the systems in a very rigorous and a continuous manner. We have a, a need to really use this type of red team evaluation to get a more true sense of how good our security is. Looking at red teams, do you foresee 
interdepartmental, interagency that would provide these kind of services, or should each of the agencies develop their own? Well, I think in the short term, Department of Defense probably has enough organic capabilities within the various parts of the departments. The DISA has a strong cadre of expertise. The services do. Clearly, the National Security Agency has probably got the biggest cadre. I think the Department of Defense, which is by size about half of the federal government, reasonably well addressed with current capabilities. The challenge is in the civil sides of government where you have some capabilities in the Department of Homeland Security, in the Department of Energy, Department of Justice, but other agencies really just have not had that expertise. In the short term, my personal recommendation would be that capabilities in the Department of Defense to include the National Security Agency augment and help the other federal agencies begin to develop a rich capability in being able to do red teaming. I think there are some contractors that are capable of doing this, but not a lot. So you need to be a bit careful in going to contracted support because, as I indicated, not all of the people qualifications are equal. I mean, there are some that are that are quite good. And so I think a mix of leveraging the current capabilities we have in DOD and other federal agencies like Department of Energy, Department of Justice and uh, DHS, and perhaps using those organizations to help bring in and augment some with some contractors carefully selected, I think makes perfect sense. That was former Air Force CIO John Gilligan. For the Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.